Hello, and welcome once again to the Still Weird Podcast. I'm Jimmy. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. I'm Dino. And we are... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dino. We're back with an awesome treat for you guys. So please join us in welcoming a very special guest. We have Dino DeNiclo with us today, and he is a musician and an actor, but we may know him best as being a part of the Still Weird family and Molly Phillips' band as the bassist, Chuck. So, Dino, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. It's uh, turned out to be a nice day over here, so I thought I'd do, do all of this outside. And where are you at? Uh, I'm actually in North Vancouver, British Columbia right now. Oh, nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Where we all want to be. I bet it, yeah, I bet it's not as hot <laughs> over there. It's uh, pretty temperate. It feels like about, well, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. It's 18 degrees-ish Celsius, so it's totally mild. Middle mm. grass, nice. Sounds great. Sounds perfect. So our first question with you today, Dino, of course, is how did you get started working with the show So Weird? And what was that casting process like for you? Um, it, it was a kind of a, a lucky stroke. Um, I was originally cast into the band just kind of like a special background. And I was doing acting in my life, but um, they just needed a band. So myself... Uh, and the drummer were actually in the band uh, prior to the show. And then they threw in the keyboardist and so on and so forth and the main actors. And so we did, uh, you know, the first season just just as uh, musicians just doing background. And then when they brought us around the next season, they said, we need the band to start talking. You guys got to be actors. And, we, and I said, that's great. I've, that's perfect. Absolutely. Let's let's become characters that are, you know, recognized in the show. And it you know, and the fun started from there. That's We cool. deeply appreciated that. Yeah, we, we loved that. We loved that you guys had more of a personality as band members. And, and like I say, it lives on today. And, and we love you guys. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to ask you, a lot to talk about. So ladies, take it from here. Yeah. So as a musician, um, of course, the one of the greatest uh, questions is, uh, how'd you get into music to begin with? Um, when I... <laughs> When I was a kid, uh, I was in a sense forced to be in music because my sister was taking organ lessons. And my parents said, well, if she's gonna take a lessons, you're gonna take a lessons too. <laughs> so, so at the age of six, I started learning the organ. But I, I mean, I was too short to reach the pedals. Uh, and I was too, how do I say this? Arrogant, even as a child, to wanna read the music. So. <laughs> So when the teacher would come in and she'd play something like, you know, whatever the tune was, Yellow Bird, whatever the tune was, she'd play it. I'd look at her hands intensely. I'd hear the melody and I'd memorize it on the spot. And I didn't know that I was preparing myself to do what you want to do. If you want to be a musician long term, say like a jazz musician or rock, you need to learn it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, go, you know, play, right? So, and I always thought, well, everybody can play music. And it wasn't until I got later in life that, well, not everybody is wanting to play music. But for me, it was fun. So I just kept going and, you know, eventually went to music college and eventually just kept playing. And even to this day, it's, it's so uh, healthy, I guess it's a healthy addiction, if you mm-hmm. could say anything. 
Mm-hmm. So you, you started out with organ and then you eventually moved to bass. Are there any other instruments you play? Yeah, well, when I was in, uh, I was somewhere around grade eight, I had a free elective. And I went, oh, I'll just play guitar. My dad has a guitar. It's easy. A guitar is easy. Like, I never really realized it was easy because I liked it. So I wanted it. So I was you know, learning, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then somewhere in the middle of, you know, high school, the music teacher said to me, we're going to, we're going to need a bass player this year. I said, good for you. Like, I didn't want, I don't want to be no bass player. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> he was uh he was gonna do um the one of the tunes that they were gonna do was the theme song to an old tv show called night court mm-hmm. but even if you know after this interview if you just google up night court theme song you'll see right away the very first thing you hear is a bass go make it takes off right and i remember thinking oh dude yeah okay Okay, I'll I'll play bass. Okay, I'll, we're gonna do that. I'll do it. Right, and I, all of a sudden I started playing bass, and then every band I was in, I'd look and I'd be like, guys, oh, okay, I'll be your bass player. You need a bass player. This is ridiculous. You need you can't do that with bass, right? And it just started to grow. It wasn't until I was in my late twenties that I started to practice properly, and I felt embarrassed that I should have been practicing my entire life properly rather than just riding on the coat hairs, the coat, the coats. It's like barely. barely getting along, but enough to play music, but not truly growing uh, until I, you know, later in my life. Right? But I kept going and it's turned into this. That's awesome. Um, so our next question is actually from someone, a fan who listens to the podcast. Her name's Kaylin and um, she's asking, what was it like filming the episode Encore? Uh, if you don't remember that episode, that's Mo- the Molly Phillips concert episode and it's the one probably where you have the most screen time. So uh, I don't know if you remember filming that episode in particular, but um, did it feel like a, a real concert vibe in any way? I know, I know which one you're talking about. Yes. Um, so Yes, it felt like a concert. It felt like, um, you know, having done this now in my life, it feels like shooting a music video, because because mm. because it is a TV show. The music is actually pre-recorded, and then you have to play along to the music because they're not actually we. It's not a live performance as much as it's a recording of a live performance, and then they record us, right? But what ended up happening is, is more than half the audience didn't know it was pre-recorded. So, and the fact was, is that the drummer, myself, and the keyboardist were actually musicians before actors, even though we were acting, I learned to play music first. So a lot of the times it looked like we were actually playing the music, even live on the spot. So we were getting people, they were, you know, the background, the extras would come up to us and go, guys, I was so good. You played it. So it was like, it was exactly the same each time I had to (laughs) I had to tell him really delicately. I'm like, thank you, but it was actually pre-recorded. But while I was playing the actual lines, like I'm doing the actual bass lines and the drummer's doing the actual parts. We, you know, we're doing our thing, you know. So, but it was really fun because, I mean, everybody who was either whether it was the actors or the crew, everybody was a kind of a high energy, loving vibe. So it made it fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you walked away from it feeling like I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is fun. How long did it take to film that episode? Do you remember? Um, I I don't know the exact day, but I can tell you that most episodes lasted a week to eight or ten days. 
-hmm. Like sometimes there's like five day work week plus another three or four. It depended. I don't remember the exact information for that because I didn't keep the sides. It's been 20 years. I actually may have the sides and I know which box they'd be in, but I didn't want to go in and try and dig through a pile of stuff to be like, I got the interview at two o'clock. I got to try and find all the sides from the episode. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't right? All right. Uh, this next question is from another fan, uh, Princess Fernandez. She asks, were there any memorable moments filming the show or uh, working with Mackenzie Phillips? Uh, first of all, Mackenzie was lovely. She had this lovely vibe. I did not expect, like a lot of times you meet big actors and you you don't know what to expect, right? But she, she's a lovely soul, right? So there's one, there's a few moments that are fun, but one specific one stands out where I think the, the scene was, it's a simple scene. It's nothing big. We're walking behind uh, stage and she's telling me to go do something. And I can't remember exactly what it was she was going to tell me to do something. But in the script, uh, she just tells me to do something and I was walking away. But there were no, there were no lines for me at that moment. And I remember Mackenzie Phillips saying something to the effect can we give Dino lines here? Can he respond? Can he at least say sure boss or something? Cause like he needs, he's got to speak back to me. He can't just walk away. And I remember going awesome. Yes, Mackenzie. I, I agree. Can I have a couple of lines here so I can talk to her before I walk away? It was moments like that. Cause she was just so lovely that way. Like, come on, let's make this uh, work. Let's make it realistic. Let's make it fun. Right? Like why? That's why, so cool. Why limit the creative moment? Like just flow with it. Yeah. And I just want to, like, I, I've been watching her show one day at a time, and it's nine seasons, so I'm already up to the latter part of season five. So she worked on a sitcom, so I think with her background, she would understand the dynamic of what the audience is seeing, what they need to hear in that moment. I, that, it's her expertise, I think, and, and I just love that you brought that up. That was beautiful to yes. hear. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So our next question is uh, from another listener named Lauren. She wanted to know, um, and I don't know if you ever thought about this for yourself as an actor, but she wanted to know, how do you think Chuck wound up as a bass player for Molly Phillips? And what do you think is his backstory? Oh, that's a thick question. <laughs> now, if I want to say precursor this by saying, had you asked me this in 2002, my answer would have came like that because I already worked it all out back then. And now I'm so far <laughs> away from that, from that person that was right. Mm -hmm. But in, I know I do remember going through a thought process where the best I could do was ap apply my own reality to the character. Mm -hmm. And in every band that I've ever had to be a bass player in at that point in my life, it almost always went like this. Uh, hey, Dino, um, our band's getting together and, and you play bass, right? Like, uh, we need a bass player. And and that's how I, in my brain, and my soul, I went, well, to be in the McKenzie's band, I had, I could only relate to being that extra guy that Dave knew. So we're going to call up this yeah. guy, Chuck. We're going to call up Chuck. He's going to do it. Don't worry. He'll be fine. And I, I took it as that. So I walked into a cold band where I didn't, as a as Chuck the character, I wouldn't actually know all these people. I'd just walk in cold because so and so recommended me. I'm like, okay, well let's just play. 
And that's how I, I remember approaching it with that because it felt honest. Mm. Great. Um, so I'm not sure if you remember, but in the first couple seasons, they had the lead actress Kara as Fiona. And then yeah. on the last season, um, they had Alex Johnson, who played as Annie. So there was kind of a shift in music where it was more of Molly's and now it's more of Annie's, more pop music. Uh, what did you think of that, like of the musical shift or, you know, anything like that? I, I didn't put too much of my own uh, weight or thoughts into the process because it wasn't my baby. It wasn't my show. It wasn't, I wasn't driving that boat. I was just one of the crew members on that boat. This is all metaphorical, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm, so when, when the moment occurred, you know, I'm, I remember the band going, oh man, things are changing. And I looked at them and I go, well, this is film. And things change whenever, however they need to by whoever's, whoever's creating this. I'm, I'm their pawn. They can do whatever they want with me. They can do whatever they want with the actors, with the music. Not my, I can't make that decision. I can't be part of the decision. I mean, they could ask me my opinion, but they didn't because I wasn't, I just wasn't part of that, that decision making process for that. So I just accepted it and went, well, you know, there's a, there's a shift happening and, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that seems very professional, a very professional approach to that. <laughs> fans, fans have their opinions, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep those to ourselves. Um, <laughs> well, as a viewer, I have that for shows too. Like if I'm watching a specific show, I'm like, why did they do that? No. I'm like, I'm allowed to get mad. I'm watching the show. You can't kill that character off. No. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that you, all the performances were pre-recorded while the music was pre-recorded. Did you actually play on any of those recordings? I didn't get to be the guy. I did not get to be the actual player on the recordings. They gave me the recordings. I learned the recordings and I played them because I knew that really faking it is going to look like faking it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I asked them early on, I go, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to own it? Do you want me to actually go there and play the part? Or do you just want to floof over it? And they said, no, do it, play it, do the actual part. And the camera guys, I remember them noting repeatedly. They're like, okay, this is great, Dino, when you do that, because we can actually zoom in on your hands and it's everything's right. I'm like, okay, good, because it's, because I'm doing that for that. I want it, mm -hmm. I want it to feel like, because I was, I was playing the actual notes in the grooves that were occurring. You know, and you'd always have, even on a day, you'd have like the first take was always a rehearsal. It, was not, it wasn't even filmed. So even at that moment, I'd have that thing to go, to check myself, go, did I, oh yeah, I got it. Oh, I got it. Okay, I got it, I got it. Mm -hmm. You fooled us. We, we were fooled. Good. You got us. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, Good job. Wanna, Great job. One of the fans said that like it wouldn't be like a Molly performance unless they cut to you playing your part because it, oh, it, it did look really? so real. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. that's nice. We I love you, man. Hug that person. <laughs> Since you learned the songs, did they actually give you sheet music? No, what they no, what they would do is they'd give me the the, the song. Uh, like if we were filming like what's today? Today's Tuesday. So if we were filming next week, I'd probably get the song today or tomorrow. And they go, Okay, so here's a song for next week. Uh, and it, it you know, at that point in my life I had, had enough um, in me musical experience to go, Okay, no problem. Play it once or twice 
on a listening device and go, okay, I got it. And then I just play it a couple of times tomorrow, played it another couple of times the day after, just to make sure I got it because they might on the last minute, right when I'm on stage go, okay, when we get to this part in the song, do that. So I have to still be able to do what I know the song's going to do without thinking so that it actually is honest. Right. So I'm actually playing the part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so we had another question from a lot of fans and this one, it's from a long ago. So if you remember any of the songs from the show, did you have a favorite song? I apologize. I do not. It's been, it's, yeah. been, long, it's been long enough. I mean, if they were, if I were to go and review the show right now, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No. It'll, it'll click in, but, mm -hmm. but I haven't. And okay. I, no, that's understandable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. As, as a musician, I'm still playing. I've actually played my first live show since COVID. Oh, uh, really? Last Sunday uh, in, in front of people, right? I'm like, wow, I just did that. You know, but even the stuff I'm doing every Friday is keeping me present now. And I don't have the old, older songs floating in my head at mm -hmm. the moment. Yeah, we understand. Um, so another question was from Eduarda, and they want to know, um, did you get to know any of the cast members particularly well, have any um, friendships with them? The, uh, the, ironically, the, cl the closest person, I mean, other than the, the three band members that were closest to me were me, the drummer, and the keyboardist. We hung out because I knew the drummer before uh, the show was even existent. So, mm -hmm. and the keyboardist, we, we got to know Kaylee, uh, the one from, I guess the, the very first keyboardist wasn't Kaylee. I think Kaylee came later. That's her real name. I think if I remember correctly, the three of us would hang out on set all the time. And the one person that you never saw who was the musical director, we would all hang out and just hang. Um, the other actors, we all would see each other on set and we were having fun on the day. But it's not like we'd go, what are you doing Friday night? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then go hang out and have a beer or something. That that wasn't the case. Um, but we were all friends at work on the days. We'd hang out and share stories and be around each other and, you know, eat lunch and just hang out. And this next question is a really fun one we like to ask everyone. Um, if you could pick a song to represent Chuck, which would it be? Ooh, I might have to think about that. To represent Chuck, I, I don't, I don't have one off the top of my head that sticks out right now. Let me come back to that. Can I? Can I just let me yeah. ruin that and let Chuck float around in my head? I'll put it in between all these questions, whatever else. I'll see if I can answer it's, that. Come back to that. Okay. It's yeah, funny because sure. that that's our co-host question, Cat's question, and most of the individuals that have been on So Weird, they usually say let me come back to that and then they they do but that's like her her question she has to ask everybody we love that question so it's think good, think on it for us it would have been Thank like, you. yeah because it would have been fresher during that time because mm -hmm. uh at that time i still had him in my soul close to me what i was doing and now it, it seems like i'm looking at chuck from a distance and i have to go okay what would be chuck mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have to come i have to come back to that all right. <laughs> um, you've already kind of touched on this next one. Uh, you talked a little bit about getting the songs uh, a week in advance prior to filming, but um, could you tell us a little bit more about what rehearsal was like? How much time did you have as a band to kind of rehearse or the, as actors? We, 
we were expected to um, take the music, look at it, honestly work on it, figure out what we needed to know for ourselves. We were expected to be able to walk in on the day and know your own part 100% so that wherever they put us, be it outside on a stage uh, with the wind blowing, be it in the dark because the lights weren't working on the scene or whatever, whatever the scene was, we were expected to at least know our part on our own. And there was no band rehearsal on the day. And they had set us up wherever they physically thought worked for that specific scene. And so we basically would, we'd get in trouble because we'd start playing the actual tune because they did give me a real amp mm -hmm. and they did give the drummer real drums. Mm -hmm. Often the keyboardist didn't have an amplifier, so she didn't get to always make sound. But I'd get in trouble with the drummer because we'd start playing it. And we, we'd get <laughs> and then, you know, the first AD would be like, okay, guys, guys, please. I'm like, okay, 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 we'll stop, we'll stop. You know. That's so funny. I've been an extra on a, a TV show for ABC Family, and uh, I got in trouble a few times for just because the mics pick up everything so we have to be like super silent once they call action and uh yeah i totally get it that's hilarious mm -hmm. yeah totally that's exactly it thanks uh so our next question is another fun one um for the original season three the one that didn't get filmed when they scrapped it and kind of did a new direction there was an episode where it took place at a bowling uh bowling alley and it was band versus roadies. Who do you think would have won? <laughs> <laughs> if if it happened, like mm -hmm. yeah. meaning who would have got the high score in bowling? Yeah. I think the band <laughs> would have got the high score in bowling, but wouldn't have been allowed to because the roadies would have sabotaged our balls. No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Are you a good bowler? In real life, I have been. A good yeah. bowler. I haven't gone bowling in the last year or two, but I've I've had my fair share of wow, that was a good game. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you'd ever heard about the original season three, but it's something we talk about a lot. So, <laughs> as fans, um, there were I, other plans for the show. Um, I know that I know that they had plans for us to keep going, and we got notification early in the in that season, being like, uh, "It's changing," you know, and we're like, "Okay, well." Okay. So, that, but, yeah. plans to keep going? Do you mean longer than a, a season three, or what, what did you mean by that? Well, I knew that they were going to stop with season three, and they, mm -hmm. they, they had just, they, they weren't going to take it any further. And I, I didn't question it because a lot of shows, even to this day, you, you never know how the fans are going to react or if it's right for the time with society. Yeah. Is, are people really eating it up? Like, I mean, if they released Game of Thrones, would it fly today? If they released it now, I don't know. Would it, you know, in the middle of all of this, would people all of a sudden be like, oh, I really want Game of Thrones? Or be like, no, man, I'm just not there. Like, it's all timing with society and how much money's pushing it. And so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get, to, I didn't get emotionally attached. I mean, I, I felt sad that, you know, I went to the, the after party. You always have an after party at the end of the season. I remember feeling like, ah. Uh, I may not see a lot of these people. I, you know, I haven't seen Mackenzie Phillips since. Mm. I, I, yeah. I just, you just know that when you have that party, you're like, oh, we're all going to go our separate ways in life. And, uh, and here we are. 
Um, so we know that you've also been on Supernatural and other paranormal shows. So uh, how was it working on Supernatural? I've, that's a treat. There's one specific episode where I get to actually uh, steal a skull and hit a nun, and like a like like in a convent. <laughs> you cold clocked her. You cold clocked her upside the head. You saw that, right? Yeah, and you got to speak your. You speak Italian, right? Yeah, I spoke Italian to her. Yeah. Yeah, that was great, great acting, and I loved that you got to speak Italian in that role. I did too. My parents too, and I. It was a. It was a treat to do it. To, I had worked on Supernatural both as a crew member, and as actor and you know doing odds and ends here and there so i got to know you know when all of a sudden i'm working with the first ad and he's not talking to me like uh say you would a normal actor that you would he's talking to me slash as an actor but also as a friend he's like dino will you get over here <laughs> don't go, man, don't go. <laughs> because we knew each other prior to that moment so often 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 you know how it is when you when you don't know someone very well you give that extra bit of um, uh, space or conduct because you don't know how the person's going to react when you go, could you please step on your mark here? As mm -hmm. opposed to the first AD who I would work with him for like, oh, what, 10 years? And he's like, I think it was Kevin on that day. And, and he goes, Dino, come here. So That's great. Yeah. So it's made it fun, but just doing, finally getting to do another special part and hanging out with the boys and, and you know, have them look at me, and they're like, uh, "Dino," because they I knew them too from prior to the moment. And that you know, I'm lying there with blood on me, and they're like, "Dino, can you? Let, you're dead. Lie down." <laughs> That's great. Um, moving on to more questions about yourself. So this is from another fan, uh, Tito. Who or what are your musical influences? Ah, so this is going to be an odd answer, but I'll do best I can to to lay it out. When I hear or listen to or allow music in my, into me, um, and we all, we all have this, not everybody's doing this. If the music feels like it's coming from, for a reason, from an honest place, um, if, if, if I can actually feel the musicians and the writers inside it want to tell me something, then I'll glom on. I'll grab that and be like, I really like that. I really want to that's great right whereas if i feel any hint of overproduction um or we're doing this because the other 20 artists are doing this if i feel any of that coming on and i can smell it through the song i'll be turned off mm. so and it could be it could be anything from as big as like maxwell and he's he's a big boy he's a famous dude but some of the stuff he does is so dirty good like ugh. Or something as mm -hmm. cool as Creedence Clearwater, where you hear it and go, everything, everything Creedence did was honest. So like, I'm looking for honesty in modern music, and a lot of the older stuff has it already. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So I can't say there's any specific artist that influences me more than another. Um, I mean, one of the most recent songs that came out of me as a writer was influenced because of my past listening to Pat Peter Gabriel, because I feel like you know, there's a lot of stuff Peter did where I feel like, damn it, man, that is, that's an anthem for my soul. So I'll be, wow. moved, 
yeah, I'll be moved by it and it'll make me want to digest it and listen to it and digest it. And you, mm. you know, even as we speak now, like I, I do have modern music I'm listening to, but you're catching me at a time during this weird pandemic. So what have I done? Yeah. I went, I went, I went and grabbed stacks of records and I'll put them down. And when I go do my 30 minute workout, I'll go put on a record. And so I'm listening to a lot of old school records. So, you know, I have this, in one of my shows, I have a Jim Morrison flask. And, and so that made me all of a sudden go listen to the doors. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, I have what I think is Jim's flask. So I think I should go yeah. listen to some doors. <laughs> well, his actual flask, something that actually belonged to the lizard King. I, I believe I have it. I had it give it's in it's in my live shows on Facebook. I, I um I've been uh -huh. doing live performances on Facebook under my name, Dino Janicolo. Um and the flask was given to me by a fellow who promised that I'm not allowed to sell it. Mm. He said, If I give you this, you can't sell it. You can give it to someone else who understands its worth, but you're not allowed to sell it. So I did, and the story goes that it was given to him here in Vancouver at a place called uh, in the sixties called the retinal circus. And it was during that time when Jim was given away, he was given away all of his important stuff. Like it, it was right before he passed a year or two before he passed. And he, it, yeah. And he gave this flask away. I looked for pictures. I looked, I tried to get in touch with Ray Manzarek. I tried to get in touch with Jim's brother. Ray's gone. You know, Jim's brother never got back to me. I understand 40, 50 years of crazy people going, I love you. I love you. They're not going to respond to some guy who says, I think I got Jim's flash. Can you verify this for me? No. Oh, <laughs> so never... what a great story. Wow. So, the only thing I know for sure, because of the emblems on it and the engravings, it came out in 1890 to 1905. It was given to people in the Navy in England and Jim's dad and grandfather were both in the Navy and his, I think it was his grandfather who was a rear admiral. He was pretty big. So it may have been oh. Jim's great grandfather's or Jim's grandfather's flask. Oh, got to tell my, my dad about door. this. <laughs> he loves the doors. Yeah. Okay. Our next question. Uh, you're still based in the British Columbia area. It sounds like, have you always lived there? And um, what do you like about it? This is this has been my tether pole for the extent of my life. I've seen a lot of the world, traveled, toured a lot of the world. I love living here. Uh, early on, I clued in that, I mean, if, it kind of doesn't matter where you go. You're, you are wherever you are. Uh, there's, you know, there's lots of uh, holistic or hippie-like ways of saying that. Or wherever you go, there you are. Like, it doesn't matter how you put it. But I started to look at it and go, okay, well, I could go live anywhere in the world. Do I want to live in the tropics? Well, for a little while. Do I want to live in the mountains? Well, for a little while. Well, do I want to live near the ocean? Well, yeah, for a lot, actually. All these things, and I started to realize, you know what, I'm just going to stay in VC because I can go to those places here. And I have immediate family here, and I like it here. It's expensive. But I like it. Sure. I was planning on going to that area uh, in the fall, but uh, I had to cancel those plans. So I've been before. It's beautiful. 
Where, where are you guys located? I live in Kentucky. It's very humid and miserable right now. <laughs> yeah, I live in Texas. So right now it's like the hottest. It's in the hundreds Fahrenheit, um, which I think is 30 Celsius or so. But yeah, and I've been to um, BC a few times for vacation. It's one of my favorite vacation spots. Yeah, and Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry. I, I'm just in Las Vegas. Oh, you're in Vegas. Well, I've been to all of those. Oh, places. yeah. Oh, really? Awesome. Huh. Yeah, well, Vegas is a no-brainer. At some point, everyone. You know, just to go to Vegas. Um, I hmm. went to Dallas, Texas with an Irish band. Oh, cool. Uh, for an Irish festival in Texas. They have some sort of big strip there in a park that we did. And I, and I didn't go to Kentucky specifically as much as I could see Kentucky across the river because we played a festival on the other side where they had fishing, this great fishing chips. I just remember being, someone going, we see that over there? I'm like, yeah, and they go, that's Kentucky. Really? <laughs> oh, cool. So I could just like walk there. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. We found that a lot of the actors from So Weird are actually musicians, almost most of them. Um, Dave Squatch Ward, who plays Ned, he performs a lot in Vancouver. So we were just wondering if you've ever run into him or seen him play. Not that I would know of. Uh, if I did, it, I, did it didn't, I didn't clue in at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Kathy's seen him play. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, when I went to vacation, um, there's this little bar called the Heritage Grill. If yeah, the Heritage Grill. Yeah, he, yeah, he plays there a lot. Oh, okay. I'm not, cool. I'm not sure right now. Probably not, but probably <laughs> after the pandemic yep. he'll be there a lot yeah yeah i i know the heritage grill yeah so um we did look look you up on your website a little bit and um we found out that you opened for santana so yeah. um yeah i was wondering what was that like we uh we were um invited to do this um convention at the, the trading convention center here in vancouver and the agent who booked us, she was lovely. And she said, look, apart from the gig itself, you're going to want to do this. Just, you got to trust me. I can't tell you why. And I said, well, I already want to do it because it looks like it's going to be lovely. There's going to be over, over a thousand people, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be huge. Sure. I'm in. It's some big top secret secret. And we're not allowed to know what it is. I'm like, that's cool. Let's do it. So, and we get there and they tell us. The, uh, just before on the day of, they said, so by the way, you're opening for Santana. And of course, everything in my body just goes, what? <laughs> um, and it was surreal because we had this uh, rather large kind of dining floor area with lots of tables. Um, I know it was, it wasn't, it, I want to say a thousand people, but it was probably somewhere between 600 and 900, but it was a lot of people all these tables and they had us right in the middle of this in a kind of a middle stage and meanwhile on the far wall is the big stage where Santana's going to do his thing so because we're the opening band we don't have much power or choice or time to do anything we basically get there set up get off Santana's got to do his thing so we get there we set up and it was surreal because I'm sitting there setting up my bass and everybody's doing their thing Santana's right here, 10 feet away from me, getting his guitar sounds. Mm -hmm. I'm, look, I'm looking, I'm going, that's Santana. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, guys. 
I can't think. Like, because it was just, so, and then, of course, we did our thing, and he did his thing, and when it came to be actual showtime, we did our show, we went backstage, and before they went on, we got a chance to just hang with Santana a bit, and he's a, he's actually, a, I don't know how he can be still to this day so light, he was light and sweet, he actually said, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta just play for the light, you gotta, you gotta be the light, man, mm -hmm. he, he actually said that phrase, I'm like, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. I'll be mm -hmm. the light. I will be the light. I'll remember that. Like so, mm -hmm. and he was a, he was a sweet sweet soul. It was he was very uh, fluid in his uh, way. He wasn't he wasn't stoic. It was nice. So cool. Oh. And um, if you could collaborate with anyone in music, maybe that you haven't before, who would it be? Right to this day. Mm hmm. <sighs> I would love to do something with the Chili Peppers. I would wow. love to do something with Sting. Yeah. I, I would. Um, th those are two big, heavy weights in my life. Um, there's uh, lots of other bands I'd like to play with, but it, it just for fun, just to do it. Mm -hmm. But those two are pretty heavy. It's because I'd like to hang with Flea a bit and just feel it. Yeah. Just <laughs> feel what he, is, what he does, like knowing his madness. Mm -hmm. piece of his madness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Dino, you know, over the past couple of nights, I've been listening to your music. And um, me personally, I, I like to, fe I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of living in a spiritual thought place. I kind of react from my heart, I guess, but not with my emotions. But I really felt a, a deep spiritual connection to your music and um i like that you're talking about you know how you were told by these individuals who are legends you know to embody that light and and basically that the things it seems that you're gleaning from the individuals who inspire you is something on more of a spiritual level and i notice how spiritual your music is i mean it sounds like r&b and soul but then i would also say there's pop in it and funk I mean you have this early early funk sound as well and then again there's these world like beats but then your voice almost sounds like an instrument itself you do this your baritone and, and the low registers that you have almost sound like an aboriginal did didgeridoo um, oh, you yeah. know that <laughs> and do you do you embody that do you embody that spirituality or that meditative spiritualness to your sound your overall sound as an individual artist do you do that on purpose or is is that something that happens naturally because of who you are okay first of all dude thank you i'm um, happy to hear you're letting the music in where it's supposed to go thank you thank you man and i and hey i want your music to be available in in other places some of us we we don't do apple we're not on itunes and cd babies no longer selling your your music uh, I, you should get on Amazon. You should be uh, getting that stuff out, man, because uh, I want to buy you on Amazon. <laughs> I want to have you in my library, but just throwing that out there. But please go on. Please. Uh, sorry to cut you. Uh, no, 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 absolutely. Um, it's on, uh, first of all, uh, immediate. It is on, uh, what, what's that? What's that listening? I don't want to say Spotify. Spotify. It, is, it is on Spotify, even if you just wanted to tap in and listen. But I want to pay you. Yeah, I'm going to pay you, though, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Hey, so 
the only the only one for the immediate buying is is the Apple one. Uh, is are they not around? They're not. Is it still? I don't know. Do they not function anymore? Apple? No, they do. Oh, they I, are. I think just some people don't have Apple products. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I get you. And I, uh, I haven't set it up for Amazon. I have it going through CD Baby to all of these different. Um, they, they're kind of like my online manager, and they're sending my music out to the world. Um, CD Baby, I think, actually sells it digitally too. If I'm not. Mm. Just going to check. Even well, I, I had gone there, Dino, to see if I could grab them. And um, I could only grab them off, you know, on YouTube. But uh, CD Baby had like a little message that said that in March of this year, they stopped selling digital music. Oh, um, yeah, if you, if you weren't aware of that, that's what I, I read. I, uh, no, yeah. I didn't know that. I did, I did not know yeah. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's weird. Okay. Uh, okay. Just keep that in mind. Okay. I'm going to. I, okay, when we get off this, I got to make a note to myself, and this this is news to me. You're informing me. Back to that question about your your spirituality and and you emoting that through your writing and your sound. Yes. So yes, I feel like it, it's part of the thing when you asked me when I was asked what I like to listen to or what I'm influenced influenced by, and I'm trying to do the same thing on the out the output mode in. Like in the since I started the solo project in 2008, I've tried one tune, one that was written for the sake of writing a catchy tune. I'm not gonna right now say, which one is, and it never really, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's nothing, it's empty. It's like, uh, it's it's empty. It's just an empty. It's like an old piece of gum. You don't want to chew it. You don't want it in your mouth. Just it doesn't work. Whereas like the other stuff, every, every other tune came from a moment in my life or a human being, uh, uh, something that's happened to me. So when I write the words and the music's played, it's coming from a place that exists in me. Someone else can perform it and they might, they might feel it too. Uh, but for me, that's an honest place in me. So any of those tunes you're hearing, you know, they're real for me. The, the stories, the words, they're not just thrown onto a page because they might rhyme. Mm. <laughs> you know? um, and then the, that thing, that tone that you mentioned, the that stuff. Yes. That stuff. I That's fell on. deep stuff. Yeah. I fell on it by accident, so to speak in my life. And then I remember thinking, I wonder if I could ever do this with music because when I do that for two or three minutes in the shower, I kind of get high. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what, what I've been reading about it is the, the hurts of the music and a lot of the indigenous tribes, uh, they would really hone. And what we've learned is a lot of their ancient instruments would be finely tuned to 432 hertz. It's a healing tone. It's literally the mathematical design of whoever designed this universe, God. Um, so it's that mathematical um, tone, 432 hertz, and your voice can do it perfectly. And it's actually very meditative. It's chant-like. It's that ohm uh, vibration. And uh, it brings me to a spiritual place. It brings me into a place of healing. And you can do that very naturally, which I think is your connection to spirit. Um, it's almost ritualistic. It's beautiful. Shamanistic. I love it. I'm happy to hear you feel that way, Jimmy. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I, 
the that specific throat concept, that throat singing thing, is often called Tuvan throat singing. Mm. It's a concept. The one I'm kind of trying to do is from Mongolia. That concept. Um, wow. They do it way better than I do. If you mm. if you tap in Mongolia Tuvan throat, there's even a Tuvan throat singing rock band, and he does this full like. He's singing this badass stuff. Like if he had a sword in his hand, I'd be afraid. Really <laughs> wow. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Love stuff like that. And um, so now I want to get into, you know, just a couple questions about your work and we don't want to keep you too long, but um, in particular, I know you got to work with uh, Mick Fleetwood. How was that for you? Wow. I, I uh, uh, so that one came by, um, uh, chance a friend knew that this guy had put out word saying they're looking for an opener here in Victoria, British Columbia for Mick Fleetwood's blues band. And I said, well, I'll put in my name and my links. And so, and the guy quickly right away said, you're the guy We're, you're, you're doing it. So when I got hmm. there and, and I did the opener, I, I did get to maybe chat, maybe two minutes. I got to chat with Mick. It was really quick. Like he saw me do, my show a little bit and we chatted a little bit and he's a wonderful man he's like a giant garden gnome he's got this big beard and yeah you know he'll he'll walk in with this giant presence and then he'll say hello and you're like oh dude you're so nice <laughs> yeah sweet guy right and yeah living legend yeah you know we chatted briefly and he asked me about my foot stomping thing because he's a drummer and that's a you know drum implement that i use and Mm -hmm. and, uh, his assistant who was standing right beside him said something quick to him and he had to scoot off and it was it was clear like the actual you know experience of working beside or near Mick was was pretty pretty fleeting ah fleet, fleet, fleet. fleet. <laughs> wow it was fleeting because because they everybody needs him now all day so Okay, these people need him now. Okay, these people, okay, this person wants to talk to him now. This person needs him now. Okay, now he's got to go over here. Okay, now he's got to go over there. And he's constantly, unless he was on the bus alone, he was constantly being grabbed by another individual that needed his attention uh, for something. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a grabby guy. I didn't even get a photo with him. And everyone's like, why did you get a photo? I'm like, what? It's not, I feel bad. I opened for him. I'm in the show. I'm on the poster. But mm -hmm. I don't know. But it wasn't about having a photo with him it was about just hanging out a bit saying hey like yeah so and i got lucky that i did the opener and i got you know there was 600 people there and i got a i only got to do 25 minutes and i got a standing ovation and they would and I, but i had to get off the stage i wasn't allowed to stay and do any more and i walked away mm -hmm. thinking oh god i hope i didn't piss them off i did good well you're <laughs> not supposed to do too good or they, they might make the headline act angry but they were really really good energy all of them right so that's so awesome i like that you mentioned uh using your feet as you know the stomping that you do the in you kind of use your body as an instrument as well and i actually got to catch the short film that you are the star of uh that's on youtube by promo vision it's called eternal group and um in that you kind of show like how you could turn an instrument 
or make anything into an instrument. And uh, it's kind of a horror film. I don't want to give anything away, but I really enjoyed it. And how was that process of, uh, or how did you create that character of him whimsically uh, being in the house and kind of creating music from all these different objects and, 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 you know, the horror happens, but how was that, that film for you and, and getting that role? What was, what was that process? Well, the, the boys who did the movie, it was, the movie was made in a contest and I got, mm. yeah, I got close to getting like the lead actor award, but I didn't get it. But um, they had a time limit. We had a set amount of time to film and that was it. And so they walked in with a story. They told me the story and I, I threw in a bunch of ideas and they were really ready to just move with the ideas that I came up with because I knew what they wanted. But we had mm -hmm. to do things on the fly. So I'm like, okay, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Because they needed me to be a thief who just kind of gets distracted because I'm not stealing anything. I'm actually looking for the perfect sound. It's a strange, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's an odd, you know, whimsical, you say, story, right? And then I run into Dracula. Mm -hmm. so, but, <laughs> So the, the actual process of coming up with it was on the fly, right there on the day going, okay, well, how about this, uh, how about this garlic crusher? This is, I can do something with that. I can make a rhythm out of that. Okay, how about, oh, you got an actual conga in here. Okay, give me the congas. We'll throw that in there. We're going to do the, use the congas in this. Yeah, that'll happen. So, yeah, it was such a neat piece. And I thought that it was you who really brought all the depth to it because of that. I don't know. It kind of brought like a really musician kind of outlook to it. But then, uh, the horror of where you actually were. And then if you go back and watch it again, you'll see all the clues of how you should have been watching your surroundings, you know, but uh, it was, it was yeah. a great little film and I enjoyed it. Oh, great. Um, awesome. Awesome. What was it like working on the, the 100 for you? The 100 is cool in a different way. Cause there's, cause the actual sets are insanely good. The 100, the sets that like when you, when, when you see the actual show, the sets are really elaborate. So when you walk oh, yeah. in, yeah. So when we're in that spaceship thing, or not a spaceship, it's like a warehouse or something. At one point, I'm like moving uh, paintings and fruit and stuff like that because we just did something on the hill or whatever. And mm -hmm. I remember walking in the first day on that specific set, going, "Oh my god, this looks real." The whole, so much detail. So much attention mm -hmm. to detail. Um, and all the crew were really nice. All the actors were really nice. They're, they're totally laid back. There was no weird, you know, sometimes there's weird energy. They didn't have any weird energy. They were all easy to get along with. So, you know, it's fun in that regard. There are hard things about the 100 because some of the outdoor shooting is outdoor shooting and it's not warm. And you're, you know, you're out there in the weather doing stuff that's not comfortable because it's cold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you guys had to look kind of like it was kind of summer, like a lot of people are wearing kind of like stripped clothes or ripped looking clothing, and so your arms are exposed, and yeah, so I'm sure that would have been freezing. It was, there were moments where it was just uncomfortable. I have, I have a fun 100 story, because I, I was never on the show a lot, but I was on the show. Um, now, I, I can't remember the actress's character name, but her name is Maria. Um, the dark haired, uh, the dark haired actress, the Greek looking, um, she has a character name, a character name's not coming to me, but the actress is Maria. And I was playing a gig up in Whistler here 
And I'm looking at this person in the audience and, you know, it looks so familiar and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Right. So after I finish the set, I walk over to Maria, which I didn't know was Maria at the time because I couldn't remember, but I just, you know, recognized her face and I walk over and I'm like, I feel like I know you for something. She goes, have you seen the 100? And I said to her, I've been on the 100. She goes, she goes, she said something really funny. Like, well, I kind of am the 100. I, I, you know, and she says her name, but I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, Maria, I, I, we've worked together. I've actually, I'm in a scene with you, but I just had <laughs> forgotten. I had totally forgotten. <laughs> so, and you know, you know, within 20 minutes, I'm up on stage and she's dancing with her boyfriend to the music I'm doing. I'm like, this is cool. This is cool. Awesome. Right, yeah, so I pulled her up. It was uh, Maria Avgaropoulos who played Octavia Blake on Octavia. the one Thank you. Yes, the Greek girl, Maria. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's yeah. a sweetheart. She's fun, right? Totally fun energy. That's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah. And so now here, you've had a lot of nicknames i think it's it's funny because in this so weird fandom we actually were debating whether or not to <laughs> tell you this but you have a nickname in our fan base and, and it's interesting to read different articles about you and things because you i don't know maybe you're just a, a prolific individual so you and the way you play is so emotive that people give you nicknames like vancouver's funkiest man or the man that never stops and i i just love that, that you're so prolific but in the fan base and please don't hate me for telling you this but you are known as the orgasmic bass player <laughs> that is so much better than he who passes stones Oh, oh God! It's, I'll take orgasmic bass player. That's that's I'm, that's totally great. I'll take awesome, awesome. Because I know nice. I'm in pain or something. So I awesome. yeah, as we don't know a lot of the characters' names sometimes, and so we'll just give some nicknames here and there. <laughs> I I'm totally cool with that name. That is <laughs> absolutely awesome. So that is basically the end of our questions and oh well I guess Kathy you have another question don't you yeah um, just two questions that I like to ask everyone um, if there ever was a re reboot of this show since reboots are a big thing right now would you want to be back on so weird in a way immediately yes oh that's right, really nice right to away hear. No, no question absolutely mm -hmm. and then like um, and like, if you want to tell the fans anything that are going to be listening to this. I apologize for telling you that the music was pre-recorded and it wasn't live. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Uh, you know, we've spoke with other individuals. We know how the business works and, and we get it. And we appreciate you for all the work you did do. I mean, like I say, it lives on. You have many fans and, and we talk about you all the time. We have for 20 years. So, um, yeah, we're huge fans of you, man. Don't even worry. We know how it goes. Okay. Thank you. I, I, that, that's, that's really it. And thank you for watching the show. I mean, that's awesome. I didn't know it was still floating around out there because I'm not. Yeah. It's kind of like a cult following type of show since it hasn't been available online until recently with um, Disney Plus, the new streaming service. So that has all like the old Disney Channel shows and old movies. And so it's like, finally, we can rewatch stuff. And so we've been just trying to get interviews here and there. And it's been it's been great reliving the show with fans and the actors being able to see themselves after so long. Awesome. Awesome. Well, 
I, I guess to the fans, just thank you for thank you for still watching. It's cool. And do you know were you able to think of a song for Chuck? No, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't. That's okay. And we appreciate you. Did, was there anything else that you'd like to say? You covered so much. Uh, uh, thank you for checking out also my original stuff, Jimmy. That's like, if they are, there's I'm definitely going to give you a shout out. I want to tell people to go and purchase Dino's records, uh, his record, beautiful, his record, new day, baby, uh, his record. I've seen the devil skin and bones sound of soul. And he also has singles out there as well. So you can buy the standalones. Um, yeah, i think you're amazing. I can't wait to delve even deeper. I got to be honest, I didn't really start diving deep into your sound until this week. But, um, but I am like pleasantly surprised that and also kind of hitting myself over the head that I had, I didn't listen. But now I'm like, I'm in it. I'm in it now. So thank you. And um, appreciate that. My pleasure. Thank you for checking it all out. Thank you. And you are on all social media platforms just under your name, right? Dino DiNicolo on yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, yes. YouTube. Yes. Awesome. So, yes, we'd like to tell the fans to go check out your original stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.